Last week, we talked about honoring those who are above us, those who are in authority over us. And we talked about four different levels of authority. Uh, first of all was civic or civil authority. Um, that, that, that is our government officials. That, that is law enforcement. That's the speed limit. Um, you know, these, these, these things are important that, that we honor this authority. And scripture, scripture admonishes us to do that. Uh, and, and, it, and, and, and once again, we really do want to distinguish between honor and respect. Because uh, often we don't honor because we think that honor is the same as respect. Well, respect is something that's earned. Honor is something that's given. Um, everyone, everyone deserves honor. Um, not everyone is respectable, so not everyone deserves respect. But everyone, just off the bat, deserves honor. And scripture actually commands us in several different places to honor. Um, those who are in authority over us. It doesn't mean that we agree with, with what they're saying or doing, but we do show honor. And we talked about some of the ways that we show honor last week, but the, the, the second type of authority that we really ought to honor is, is church authority. And um, this is the body of Christ. This is the, 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 the leaders that God's put over uh, God, God's put over you, God's put over me. I'm under spiritual authority, and I honor those that are my pastors. And so I encourage you to, 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 to show honor to those who are over you spiritually because it's really it's for your good. When, when we honor those who are over us, those who are over us are able to bless us and are able to, to, to really serve us very well. Um, it seems kind of warm in here. Does it feel oh, warm? Not warm. Anybody else? If Rose says it's perfect, it's warm. Can someone? Hey, T Bear, maybe if you could go just get Kayla and Gary to turn the air down a little bit. Because if it gets too comfy, people fall asleep, and then and then I'm preaching to, to, to folks. It's kind of like preaching in the nursing home, you know, you got drool going on. It's like, Jesus is good, and uh, you know they're they're sleeping, but um, just hope that they receive something in their sleep. That's how it goes. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's good practice preaching in the nursing home, by the way. Um, it's a good, it's a good, good thing to do with young, young preachers. Um, and so, so the other kind of authority is church authority, but the third kind is family authority. And this is often uh, with the most practical for many of us. Uh, and this obviously applied last week when we talked about Mother's Day because our moms and our dads are our authority in the home. And, and we want to restore a sense of honor to parents. We want to restore a sense of honor to, to those that God has put over us. Uh, parents are one of those things that you don't get to choose, um, at, at, at least your birth parents. Uh, you don't get to choose that. God chose that. Um, and now things can happen later on down the road, and, then you, and, and there's adoption and, and different types of parents. And we, 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 we honored several different types of moms last week. Uh, but God specifically placed you in the particular family uh, that he wanted you in. And whatever the circumstances are, God can bring good out of that. Especially when we show honor, especially when we show um, value to our authority. And then the final sense of authority is, of course, God. God is our final authority, and we, we, are, we want to live our lives to honor him, to show him his value, to show the value that he has in our lives. And so many of the reasons why we do the things that we do, we go to church, we read our Bible, we, we give money to, the, to, 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 to missions and to, to all that God's doing around the world, is because we show him his value, his worth in our lives. And that's really what it means to honor. To honor, the, the, the biblical word for honor uh, means to place, uh, to, to realize value, to place value on something, or, or even weight. Uh, it's it, there's a sense of weightiness, and I and I sort of like that because it means it's, it means that, that that it's something sort of heavy. Um, uh, for those of you that that have ever moved house before, I know 
uh, Thomas and Stephanie just got them moving this weekend. Uh, yeah, new homeowners right here in the, the second row. Glory to God. Um, uh, whenever you're unloading boxes uh, from the trailer, you know, there are some boxes that, that well, if you're really buff like me, you can just, yeah. you can yeah. just, I'm just being serious. You can, you can, <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, you. You know, you can just grab them, throw them over your shoulder, and just take them on in. But like, like uh, for instance, the Evermans, we helped move the Evermans and unload their, what was it, a thousand foot trailer, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure. And it was a 24 footer pack, top to bottom. And uh, he had some boxes that were like, hey, yeah, I'll get that, no problem. And then there were some other things like like his his dad's old like toolbox like some old toolboxes and like tool tables and stuff like they were carved out of solid stone you know like out of a mountain they were hewn and and somehow transported I don't know how that happened same guys that made the pyramids made like these things and uh, of course they don't have wheels on them because that would be too easy. And so, you know, you have to approach heavy things a little differently than you approach light things. You've got you to think about, okay, now how are we going to handle this? Who's going to get on that side? Who's going to get on this side? And how are we going to? And that's, that's, that, that's really what the word honor means. It means to give weight to something or to someone and so approach them cautiously, not lightly. So, so, so the opposite of, of honor is dishonor. Dishonor is where you, where you don't assign great value to someone. You don't assign great value to something. Instead, you, you handle it lightly or commonplace or carelessly. And uh, one of the ways that, that I think could be demonstrated in my life is uh, recently uh, for my birthday back in April 2nd, those of you that are taking notes, um, <laughs> you're going to want to know that for next year. Uh, April 2nd, my birthday, so I got an early birthday gift, and, and, I, and I gave a picture to Emilio, it's the, it's the one screenshot. Got an early birthday gift from, from a family here in the church. Um, yeah, it's like my first big boy watch, and um, I'm, I'm wearing it right now in case you, you can't see it. But yeah, it's a Seiko Sportura. Um, for those of you who don't know, like Seiko is a good company. Sportura is, it's like sport, but then tura, like they made their own word for this watch. <laughs> Um, and I've never really had like a nice watch like this, but one of our uh, uh, the, the Joneses, uh, Eddie works. He's he's a manager at a at a Seiko um, store in the San Marcos outlets, and so and so he said, Harry, I'd like you to come by the store, and so I, I come by, and he's like, for your birthday, we want you to pick out a watch, and we want to bless you with it for your birthday. And so I was like, wow, the whole store. So I'm walking around the store, and I typically wouldn't have picked like the Sportura line because it's kind of expensive. But he was like, I was thinking maybe this one. And I was like, I'm thinking maybe that's, that sounds good. That sounds, that sounds good. Like, watches are one of those things. Like, you can buy a $10 watch at Walmart, you know, and it still tells, come on, somebody. You can, it still tells time, you know, like the little hands go around, and, and you can, it, it works. But then there are watches like the Seiko Sportura, where they create their own word for it, and like, 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 like the, the, the face on this is made of like heated uh, crystal, I think. Like it won't scratch. Like I could take a rock to this thing, smash it, and it wouldn't scratch. I haven't tried that, but I could do that. I mean, my, like, I, and I've always been sort of a watch guy. I've always loved watches, and I've always had like fossil watches, or like I had a diesel watch once. I mean, if you took a, a rock to that, it would just, it would crumble. You know, pieces would be falling out, and and it just wouldn't be good. Well, this this Seiko is actually a really nice watch, and because he's the manager, like he gets like 70% off of the already major discount, and he promised he wasn't spending what was on the, the sticker. 
Um, so that's how I can feel justified in wearing it. And, uh, <laughs> they're starving kids in Africa. And I was like, can I just sell this watch and buy a bunch of hamburgers for people? I don't know. But, um, it's just it's one of those things where it's like, this is an expensive watch. And it's, like, it's one of those things, like, as soon as I got it, like, you know, I put it on, I just felt, like, like more important. You know what I mean? Like, and I started thinking back to times in my life, man, like, if I would have had this watch, things would have been different, you know? Like, I wouldn't be driving a Kia right now if I had this watch five years ago, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, just, I just recorded a video for ARC, which is the association of, of related churches that, that we're a part of, and um, I don't even know why. They, they, they asked me to record this video tell about you all, because they were just really excited about everything they were hearing about you all, and I think they like my sweater. So they're like, you have a cool sweater, would you like to do a video? Like, yeah, and I thought back, man, if I would have had this watch and the cool sweater, they would have had me come speak at their conference. Like, you know, I'd be, I'd be making some, some, some money, you know, and take up an offering for me, and it would have been great. And, but I didn't have the watch then. So anyway, I, I, I got the watch right around Easter time, and it was just the time I was driving around. And many of you don't know this, but we had huge signs for Easter. Did you guys see our big signs out in different places, like four-foot by eight-foot signs? I designed those. And then I made them, and I put them in the back of the church truck, and I drove around to every business along 35 uh, 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 and, and all along Slaughter and all throughout Main Street, Buda. And I stopped by every business and said, hey, can I put one of these in your yard? And I thought, man, I'm going to wear my watch when I'm walking into these businesses, you know. So I'm, so I'm in there, and I'm, like, making sure that they see the you – know, <laughs> I don't really know what to do with my hands. Some of you got that, some of you did not. Um, that's because you're saved. You need to stay that way. And so I was like, you know, like, like but I, I just got turned down. So obviously the watch doesn't work on guys that own, I don't know, gas stations and stuff. You know, and they're like, okay, whatever. And so it didn't, I got all, it's a great exercise, though, in dealing with rejection to stop by several businesses, just hear no, 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 and just keep on going. Um, but, you know, it's like, it, I, I remember one of those days I, I was hungry, and so I stopped by McDonald's. Um, and this confession time in church, good to have confessions, good for the soul. And I was eating McDonald's, and I'm sitting there in McDonald's. I don't usually eat in McDonald's. I just grab it and go because people don't see me. And um, so I'm sitting, I'm actually in McDonald's, and, I'm, and, I, and I had to apologize to the watch because this is not a McDonald's watch. I should not be eating lunch. In this would be like, you know, at the mansion at Turtle Creek up in Dallas or something. This is I probably went overboard on the watch thing, but it was it was important to me, and it, it, it had value, it had weight. Like for instance, I don't wear, well, I even call it the watch. I mean that that are already means it means something, but I don't, like I don't wear the watch like when we're unloading the trailer, because there are things that could you know bash the watch, and like I don't wear the watch when I'm wrestling with my kids, and and I, you know I, I take care and caution with the watch, and that's really what we mean by honor. We mean that every single person in our lives, that every single person walking down the streets, every person alive deserves that kind of honor from us. We ought to treat everybody much, actually much better than a Seiko Sportura watch because they're actually much more valuable than the watch. People's value. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. That gives you value. Regardless of what you believe or don't believe, regardless of, of what you do or don't do, regardless of, of where you are or, 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 or your socioeconomic status, your value is, is tied intrinsically to the fact that God made you. And because God made you, you're valuable. 
And each and every one of us are valuable. And so, so our honor has to extend to everyone. And so today I want to talk about honoring those who um, are at, at a place that we have been. We want, we've talked about honoring up last week. Now I want to talk about honoring out. We want to reach out with honor. We want to reach out to people who are currently in a place that we have been. And it's our responsibility, I believe, to honor those people, specifically honor those people and help them get from where they are to where they need to be. And there are plenty of scriptures regarding this, and I just want to give you a, a few of the types of, of, of people that, that we need to honor. But first of all, I'd like to read from Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And this is our, this is our main scripture for this, this honor series. And it says, show family affection to one another. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. And this is our key phrase, outdo one another in showing honor. So we, 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 we want to be in a competition to see who can honor each other the most. Um, a healthy marriage relationship is one where both are trying to outdo the other in honoring each other, right? So you're like, what? What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, but this is this this is the godly version of of marriage. It's it's not where you're trying to get uh, honor for yourself. It's not where it's like fifty fifty and you're trying to make sure that things are even. But it's really how can I give to you more than you've given to me? And when, you, when we begin to honor our spouse, when we begin to honor in the home, it's amazing the kind of stuff that comes out of that. And so there's, there's, there, there's some different people that, that deserve our honor according to Scripture. First of all, our children. Those who, uh, obviously, if, if, if you're alive, you've been a child before. So those children are in a place that you and I have been. And it's our job to honor, specifically honor those children. In Psalm 127, verse 3, it says this, that children are a gift. Just like this watch was, was, was a valuable gift. Children are a valuable gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Now, what would, what would it look like if we began to change the way we talk about our children? Because, quite frankly, this is not typically the way that people talk about their kids. Right? Like, like how many kids do you have? Oh, I have, I have two kids. And they're just a gift from the Lord. They're my reward for being so awesome. Like, it's just amazing. God is just so good. It's much easier to get negative talk about children. It's much easier to write negative blogs about how difficult it is to have kids and how and how much time they take and how much money they cost the family. And, 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 and you know, you got to get child care for them. And you got you to feed them and, and clothe them and then bathe them and then do it all over again tomorrow, you know. And it's so easy to begin to treat them not as the treasure that God says they are, not as the gift or the sports sportsure watch that God says that they are. It's so easy to treat them more like a $10 Walmart watch. It's like, well, you know, all right, we, we have them. It's kind of nice sometimes, but, you know, it's also a lot of work. And we just begin to treat them lightly, dishonoring our kids and dishonoring children in general. But here at, here at City Chapel, I just want to challenge our parents. I want to challenge our grandparents. I want to challenge you to honor your children. You say, well, they, they don't behave like treasures from the Lord. <laughs> Preach! <laughs> but here's but here's the deal honor is not tied into someone's performance honor is not tied in to someone's performance honor is tied intrinsically into the fact that god made them god created them so they deserve to be honored 
even if they're spoiled brats, even if they act terrible, have horrible attitudes. As parents, our job is, is, is to honor. And, and as we honor, now that's not to say that we don't discipline. Sometimes discipline is the most honorable thing that you can do. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 it really is. Because I, I, I think oftentimes like we approach God almost like children, you know. We, if, if I were to ask my six-year-old, you know, honey, how could I honor you right now if she's just done something wrong? She would say, well, don't give me any punishment for what I've done wrong, right? Because to her, that would be honor. But for me... I have a greater perspective, and I can see her six years down the road and 12 years down the road. And right now, the, the, the structure that I'm putting in place in her life is going to help her um, be the person God wants her to be. So honor is recognizing the value and recognizing the worth and putting weight every single time I talk to my kids. I try, I try not to talk carelessly to my kids. I try not to just, to just speak out of emotion. You know what I mean? Just speak out of the moment. I try to speak to who they are, to their value. And this happens in discipline. This happens in fun times. This happens all around because they deserve honor. Secondly, the, the, the other kinds of people that I believe we ought to honor are um, people who are employees. Uh, many of us here, we own businesses. Uh, we are uh, leaders in the, in the corporate world. We, we're managers or, or uh, shift leaders or... Uh, we 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 are or teachers. We got several teachers here. We have we 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 have folks and people that are looking up to us in the corporate world, and I believe that we ought to treat them with honor, which means that once again we don't simply isolate their performance, but we dig a little bit deeper and we recognize as a person that person is valuable, not just not just for what they can bring to the company, not just for what they can make uh, for the bottom line for the dollar. But as a person, that person is valuable. Because it's amazing what people are actually going through if you take the time to listen. Last week we talked about mothers. We honored moms. And I, I spent, I don't know, 30 hours um, honoring, honoring moms. We got out late because I was just kept rambling. But I just kept thinking of different kinds of moms. And it's been amazing throughout this week, like so many ladies have come to me and said just how that impacted them. And people that I didn't even know had had a miscarriage. Um, women that I didn't even know, it had a, they, they came and told me that they had a miscarriage. Women that I didn't know uh, struggled with infertility. They came and told me that. It's like as we, just, as, as we just honored moms in all different stages, people just responded by opening up. And it's amazing. When you start showing honor, it's so easy to criticize. It's so easy to critique. And I, I think it's actually kind of cool nowadays, right? It's kind of cool. It's kind of hip to always be skeptical, to always be, well, they could have done that better. Well, that's a, it's a, and, and instead, if we would learn to speak honor, if we would learn to speak to people's value, I'm telling you, people respond with such openness, with such joy. It, it breaks down something, in some kind of wall. It just it shuts it. It breaks down the walls and enables you to connect with the person the process and people are always more important than processes. I get an amen. Yeah. amen. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8 through 9, uh, the Bible's speaking directly to this and uh, uh, this, this, this employer employee relationship. In verse 8, he says, Remember that the Lord will reward each one of you for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. In other words, whether you're an employee or an employer. And then he says to the masters, to the people who are employee, employers, he says, Masters, treat your slaves, treat those who are in your employment in the same way. Don't threaten them, 
remember that you both have the same master in heaven. You have the same CEO. You have the same boss in heaven. And so he has no favorites. So recognize the, the person over the process and honor people. Uh, the, the, the third category that I would love for us to learn to honor are different generations. Those who are currently where we have been. You might be in your 40s and you remember what it's like to be 30 and single. We ought to honor the single 30-year-olds. Scripture actually encourages this. It encourages a generational honoring. That there is an honoring uh, from the young to the to to those who are older, but there's also there also ought to be an, an honoring from those who are older to those who are younger. And uh, the passage is Titus chapter two, verse verse four, six, and seven. He says he's talking about older women. He says these older women should train the younger women to love their husbands and their children in the same way. He's talking to Tim, uh, to, to to Titus now. He says you need to encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourselves be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. God, God, God wants the older generation to honor the younger generation. I'm, it's so easy to talk negative about millennials, and I kind of am one. I'm like right on the edge. In fact, you can't even say millennials in church anymore because it's just like it's like a negative <laughs> term, you know? It's like, oh, those millennials. But that is so easy to criticize. The truth is every single generation has their own quirks, has their own hang-ups, has their own problems. We also have our own strengths. And we ought to build one another up. I would love to see. We're on, we're on a break right now for small groups, but we're going to be starting again in the second week of June. I'd love to see some older folks start a small group specifically for young people. Like, even if you word it like that, nobody talks like that anymore, but... That's cool. They, you know, I'm an old person wanting to have a small group for young people. That's that. That's really that could be the name of your group. All right, like sixty plus something wanting to have a small group for like twenty and thirty year olds, because so often that, that that's the greatest point of division in churches and in society. If old folks have a have 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 their own small group, it's like they all get together. And young people aren't really invited. It's just, it's just all these older people. And if young people have a small, it's like oh, they, 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 they all get together and older people are invited. And there's this huge gap and divide. And, and I don't know about you, but we, I believe we miss out on the texture of the body of Christ when we have just one age. And we only talk to people that are the same age as us. We ought to be reaching out to people who, have, who are currently where we have been because they need your wisdom. They need your help. We need some gray hairs up in here to help us. Yeah. <laughs> Help us through some stuff, and, and you can be young with gray hair. That's all good. We need, we need you to help us through some stuff, Thomas. Come on, somebody. Uh, we, we had a small group this past uh, small group semester. We had a marriage small group, and, 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 and one of my favorite moments was whenever Jim and Cheryl would start talking because Jim and Cheryl have been married for like 35 years. That's as long as I've been alive. And uh, you go through a lot in 35 years. You go through ups and downs, and they're able to speak to all of that. And we need that in the body of Christ. Otherwise, it's a bunch of us 30-year-olds kind of saying, well, I think maybe we should do this. I think maybe, no, we need some wisdom. We need some help. Yeah. There's some older folks up in here. So anyway, if you want to start a small group, we would love for you to do it um, this coming June. And then the, the, the fourth area of those who are currently where we have been, that's the poor. We're commanded to honor the poor. In fact, in Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 14, God says this. He says, whoever oppresses the poor, whoever dishonors the poor, Shows contempt, not for them, but for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. 
we're commanded to honor those who, because we've all been broke before, I think. Unless you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Who even says that anymore? I need to go to the older folks' small group. That's what I had a revelation. Uh, unless you were born rich or something, we've all been broke. And we all know what it's like to wonder where the next meal's coming from. We all know what it's like to wonder if we're going to be able to make the mortgage or if we're going to avoid bankruptcy. We've all been there. And I've had, I, I've had people slip me some money in a handshake and say, I'm praying for you. And, I, and that helps me. Yeah, hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Anybody wants to give me the handshakes right, right now? You know, but, but we, we've all been there, and and, and 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 God says that whenever we dishonor the poor, whenever we whenever we disregard the needy, what we're doing is we're really showing contempt for Him. We're showing lack of honor for Him because He is their Maker. Uh, Babe Ruth, one of the most famous baseball players of all time, uh, it, it's believed that he only actually autographed seven baseball bats. And uh, there's a story about the seven baseball bats that he autographed. Obviously, if you have a baseball bat autographed by Babe Ruth, you do not fit into the poor category. <laughs> you need to donate that to me. That would be awesome. Um, they're very valuable because there's only seven of them throughout his entire lifetime. And for years, they couldn't find the first one. They could only find six. And uh, he had signed one, and it was, a, it was like a home run competition, and his, his agent had given it to some guy, and the guy just disappeared in the crowd. They, they couldn't find it. And what, what, what happened is the guy just treasured this bat. It was, it was valuable. It was his Seiko Sportura watch. You know, it was like, it was, it was his prized possession. And he, he outlived all of his relatives, and, and, and as he was dying, he decided to donate the bat to the nurse that had been taking care of him faithfully, as a thank you. Now, the nurse didn't know anything about baseball. She didn't know anything about Babe Ruth. But the guy said, this is really valuable. You need to keep it in a safe place. So she put it under her bed, like you do. And it stayed under her bed for about 18 years until she came across some hard times in her life. And she really had this dream of starting a restaurant. So she said, well, what do I have that's valuable that I can pawn and sell? And so she reached under the bed, grabbed the bat, took it down to a sports store, and said, do you think this is worth anything? And the guy's eyeballs just, you know, exploded. Holy cow, yeah, that's worth something. And so they, they brought in some folks, they put it up for auction, and in 2006, this bat sold for $1.3 million. She was able to start her little restaurant <laughs> business, I think. And so, so she took a, a portion of the money, started her restaurant business, and then she took the rest of the money, and she, she, she donated it to a charity for, for young kids. And the, some news reporters said, like, why, like, you have all this money, why would you give so much of it to this charity? And she said this, she said, because the only reason that the bat was really worth anything is because Babe Ruth signed it. And Babe Ruth, toward the latter years of his life, really invested in young kids. And so she said, the best thing I could think to do with the money was to honor the guy whose name was on it by doing what he would have done with the money. That's what I'm talking about when I say honor. I mean, like, you see people and God's signature is on them. And the best thing you can do for God is to honor the person who's got God's signature on it. To do what God would do for people. And so there's a, there's a there's story in the New Testament that I think just really displays this pretty well. It's found in Luke, and we're going to read. It's kind of a long story, but I just, I just love it. Jesus is hilarious. Luke chapter 14, we're going to read 14 verses from Luke chapter 14. 
And this is a, a story where Jesus is on the Sabbath, just one Sabbath day, just, just, just some random Sabbath day. Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And the people were watching him closely. That's important. They were, they had invited him, but they invited him because they wanted to see what he would do. They wanted to hear what he would say. They wanted to hear his teaching. So Jesus is invited to this, to this, this, this dinner party. Verse 2 says there was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Uh, in the King James, it says that he had something called dropsy. Uh, what that is is where, is, is where your arms and your legs collect fluid, and it's very painful and very debilitating. And so his arms and legs are swollen from this disease called dropsy. Now, what's interesting is that this guy even made it to the party. I'm not sure how he got there. I'm not sure who invited him because typically – if you were a religious leader, you wouldn't want to be around people who had uh, infirmities because that would make you unclean. So uh, the fact that he's there is actually pretty surprising, but you've got to know that he's kind of in the corner. All right, He's not like in the center of attention. He's down at the end of the table. He's, he's, he's off by himself. Literally, nobody wants to touch him because nobody wants to become unclean. And, and Jesus, of course, being Jesus, walks up to that guy. And he turns to the Pharisees and the experts of the law, and he asks them a question. He says, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? Now, this is the question, and really he's asking them, which is more important to honor? Is it more important to honor the day or the person? Because he's talking about the Sabbath. Obviously, it's okay to heal people on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. There's Sabbath was on Saturday. Obviously, it's okay to heal people on six days a week, but is it okay to heal people on the Sabbath? And they don't answer him. So when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him. And he did something. He touched the sick man. He touched him and became unclean. He touched him and brought healing to him and sent him away. Then he turned to everyone else and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath, if your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they couldn't answer him. So what, what Jesus is doing here is he's, 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 he's noticing the hypocrisy. He walks into the room and he sees this guy off by himself, sick and, and infirmed, and everybody is honoring the Sabbath day so nobody's working on that day. No, and in fact, the, the rules around the Sabbath are very, very particular. You couldn't even pull a chair out from the table because they had dirt floors. And if you pulled the chair out from the table, it would grate against the dirt. And that was similar to, to, to plowing a field. So they said you can't even pull your chair out on the Sabbath. So on the night before the Sabbath, they pulled the chairs out in advance. Like, like they, they're, 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 they're fanatical about it. They're so honoring to the day. They want to make sure that they don't offend the day. They, they treat it with such weight, with such importance, with such, like, man, this is, this is really, really heavy. This is really important. We've got to make sure we don't mess this up. And they walk right by the poor. They walk right by the needy. They walk right by somebody that's actually more important than the day. And Jesus recognizes that, and he says, let's show honor where honor ought to be. Honor ought to be in the person. He touches the person. And this is what I'm saying when I, when I say that when we honor, what, what, what we do is we recognize the value of the person and we speak to the person. We speak encouraging words to the person. And, and in parenting for us, this is one area that, we've, that Ro and I have actually learned quite a bit. 
Um, uh, we, we did a, a small group a while back, and we talked about parenting as a parenting small group. And I think we're going to do it again this summer or fall. We're not sure. But um, it's really the idea is that we ought to be parenting from a place of the gospel. So often we parent from a place of like the Old Testament. Right? Where there's, 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 there's crime and punishment. Like that's what it is. So Madden and Micah, they'll be in the room, and this actually happens, uh, and we'll hear, you know, screaming or crying or something similar there too. Problems are going on in the room. And so you come into the room, and as, as an Old Testament kind of law parent, what you say is, what happened? And you already have a pretty good idea because because Micah's holding Madden's Barbie doll like this, and Madden's reaching for it like that, and you pretty much know what happened. But you ask them, what happened? And you say, well, you know. And so both of them begin to plead their case, right? Madden says, I had the doll, he took it from me. Micah says, she's not sharing her doll. They both have a valid point. But then, as the lawgiver, the next thing you typically say is, you know, okay, well, who had it first? Because that's just, that's fair. And so Madden had it first. Okay, Micah, give it back to Madden, slap Micah on the hand. Um, for those of you that don't slap, we tell him, shame on you, naughty person. And don't do that again, three-year-old. This is not acceptable. And justice is served. Walk out of the room. Everything's good. Problem is, we didn't really speak to the person in that scenario. We didn't deal with Madden. We didn't deal with Micah. Those are, those are, these are my kids' names. Madden's my girl. Micah's my boy. We didn't really speak to them. We, 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 we heard them, but what we were speaking to was the situation. We were speaking to the behavior. And we were like, okay, how did you behave? All right, that's not how you're supposed to behave. You're supposed to behave like this. So behave like this next time. And that's really, that's kind of like an Old Testament. It's kind of like a law-driven style of parenting. We're not really speaking to the heart because Jesus came along in the New Testament. And he said, by the way, everything that's evil comes from within. That's what Jesus said. He says it comes out of the heart. And in Proverbs, it says that the heart is, is, is like the wellspring of life. So all of your attitudes, all of your behavior, all of your action comes from within. It doesn't come from circumstances, which is why you can have selfish people that are born rich, selfish people that are born poor, because it's selfishness is in here. It's not out. It's not out there. You don't get it. It's not like a disease. You don't catch selfishness. You're born. Your heart is, the Bible says that it's wicked. Your heart is desperately wicked, actually. It's deceitful, and it's tricky, and it's real good at justifying itself. And so when you come in and Matt and Micah, all right, what happened? Both of them believe that they're right. And as a parent, you're like, well, no, no, no. You're right. You're wrong. Done. Okay. I'm going back to my thing. I'm going to speak to the heart. But whenever we're showing honor, whenever we're honoring our children, we're honoring the fact that both of them think that they're right. And there's a reason for that. And so I sat, I sat down with my kids. I said, all right, Micah, you think you're right because you took it. She's not being nice, not sharing. Madden, you're right because he took it from you. You rightly had it. So let's talk about this because there's a problem in both of you. And so I began telling them about selfishness. And I didn't say, you guys are being selfish, because they don't really know what that means. So I said, you guys know what selfishness is? I said, okay, well, let me just tell you a story. So I told them a Bible story. 
stories from scripture, which by the way, this is what Jesus did all the time. Usually when Jesus is telling a story, it's because he's trying to let his audience find themselves in the story. And when they find themselves in the story, they're like, oh my goodness, that's me. Right? Like, like, like the rich young ruler, he says, what do I have to do to get to heaven? Jesus says, well, you have to love God and love people. And so the rich young ruler wanting to justify himself says, all right, so who exactly, what kind of people do I have to love? Jesus doesn't tell him. He just tells a story about a guy who loved some people and didn't love others. And the guy understood, oh my goodness, that's me. That's me. I find myself in the story. And so I, I told him a story about, about selfishness. And, and Madden said, that's kind of like what we're doing. Selfishness is when you only think about yourself. That's what selfishness is. That's kind of like what we're doing. Exactly. Both of you are doing that. And the wonderful thing about parenting by by speaking to the person and really uh, uh, running a business by speaking to the person and, 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 and any other scenario that you're in and you speak to people, what that does is it opens up the door for the gospel. Because as much as I would, as the dad would like to say, I don't ever struggle with selfishness. The truth is, if I have a parking space and I'm waiting for that parking space, this guy's backing up for that parking space and somebody comes in from the other way and cuts me off, I act sort of like Matt and Micah. <laughs> That's called selfishness. And so I, I, I waited for that space. I, I deserve that space. It's my space, right? It's my ju like justice has to be served here. It's my space. I, I should be closest to the door. I should. Selfishness. That's what it is. It's straight up. And and so so I can tell my kids. You know what? Dad struggles with this too. That's what I told him. And so man said, well, what do you do? So I pray. Because God has to do something inside my heart. It opens up the door for the gospel. It opens up the door so that it's not just behavior driven. It opens up the door for you to say, man, I need God too. I've been exactly where you are. I've struggled with exactly what you've dealt, dealt with. And so Jesus is trying to tell a story here. And he's trying to help people find themselves in that story. And uh, just to finish this story, when they, when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't uh, uh, work on the Sabbath? Uh, but, in, but in verse 6, they still couldn't answer him. So verse 7, Jesus is looking around and he notices that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor. There's that word again. Themselves near the head of the table. And he gave them this advice. Actually, in the King James, it says he told the parable. So he's like, all right, guys, all right, all right time, time out. I have a hypothetical story to tell you. Totally hypothetical. I love it. Jesus is so sarcastic. Verse 8 says, when you're invited to a wedding feast. See, this wasn't a wedding feast, so this is different. When you're invited to a wedding feast, totally hypothetical story, here's what you should not do. Don't sit in the seat of honor. He sees everybody clamoring, trying to sit next to people who are important. Because if you sit next to people important, other people think you're important. And you get to get a little FaceTime with important people. You get, to, you get to sell yourself to them and hopefully make some good connections. Jesus says, all right, all right, all right. Hypothetical story. I know none of you would ever do this. But if you're invited to a wedding feast, just hypothetically, what you should not do is exactly what you're doing. You should not seek for yourself the place of honor. And here's why. Because someone who is more important and more distinguished and more honored than you, well, he could have been invited too. And I wonder 
I wonder if Jesus looked at the, the man that he had just healed when he said that. I wonder if he looked at the guy who was sitting down at the end of the table when he said that. Hypothetical situation, folks. But if you get invited to a dinner, don't try to sit in the best seat. Because there might be somebody more important than you. You didn't even value him. You didn't understand his value. You didn't realize that he was to be honored more than you. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get that. And so it's really embarrassing, guys, because verse 9, the host will come and say, give this person your seat. See, Jesus was invited to the feast. And so he would have had a spot up near the up near the host at the top of the table because the host wanted to hear what he was going to say. I wonder if Jesus took that man that he just healed and said, Would you go on up there and sit with me? And the host had to go, uh, Sir, could you move and go sit down there at the end of the table? <laughs> He's wanting these people to find themselves in his story. Because he says, Look, there, 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 there are people who have value that you brush right over them. You don't see their value. What will happen is the host of the place will say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed. And you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place. And I wonder once again if you looked at the man that he healed, he was sitting in the lowest place. Instead, he should be like this guy right here. Take the lowest place. Totally hypothetical situation, folks, remember? Take the lowest place. And then, and then when the host sees you, he'll say, friends, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we honor our kids, we receive honor from them. When we honor employees, we receive honor from them. When we honor the poor, we receive honor from them. And this is one of the benefits of honor. And I mean, I don't want to just say we should honor in order to be honored, but it really is one of the benefits that when you sow honor, when you give honor, you reap honor. And then Jesus turns to the host. And he says, once again, completely hypothetical situation, but when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, which is exactly what he's doing, he said, um, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, and rich neighbors. I wonder if he's looking around at this room full of <laughs> brothers, friends, relatives, and rich neighbors. Hypothetical situation, totally. But when you have a dinner, don't invite those guys. Because if you do, they'll just invite you to one of their dinners. This will just be a never-ending story, a never-ending circle, and, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame, kind of like the guy who was sitting at the end of the table. Invite the blind, because at the resurrection of the righteous at the last day, then God will reward you for inviting those people that could not repay you. We have to learn the, the value system of heaven is, is when we honor people that, that cannot repay us, that's when God, in turn, honors us. Because God repays us. So you can have a man-made blessing if you want to honor a bunch of people that will just say thank you and, and honor you back. But at City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, we want to be a church that honors people who cannot repay us. That's why we go to the streets. That's why we go to the prisons. I was in the prison yesterday with Robbie. 
uh, Robbie goes to the prison every, pretty much every Saturday and uh, uh, does prison ministry. And really it's not like a typical prison ministry where you have like chapel and invite people to come to chapel. Actually, we go into the cells and just start talking to folks. There's like, I don't know, 25 guys in the one cell. And uh, the guy's like, nice watch. Like, can I have it? No. Um, and we just sat down. Like, they're watching Sports Center, and we just sit down and start talking to them and whip out the Bible and just start telling them about how valuable they are. Just start telling them about how much God loves them, about the plan that God has for their life. And they can't repay us. They can't come to church. They can't, they can't give an offering. They can't, they can't do any of that because that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because they're valuable. One guy says he gets out in 96 days, and I said, dude, you're totally welcome to come to the Cinemark Theater at South Park Meadows. And he said, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I still kind of mess up a lot. And No duh, you're in prison. I mean, you obviously did some stuff here to get here. We know that. I said, dude, you'll fit right in. And he's like, there's a lot of hypocrites in the church. Exactly, you'll fit right in. You know, like this is a place for you. Two people that aren't perfect, like this is us. He's like, well, you know, I'm moving forward. I said, well, good. Lots of people move. We're all at different levels, and we want to help you get to the next level. So come on. And so, you know, I mean, that, that's just that's just what we that's what we do. We want to tell people about their value. We want to tell you. We want to tell you about how honored you are by God. How much God values you. How God has put His signature in you. We see that, and we say, man, that's valuable. And we don't want the devil to get that and destroy that. We don't want the enemy to get the value that belongs to God. And so if you're here today, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe you just came out of jail, <laughs> prison, in which case we welcome you. Uh, and we want you to know your value. Maybe you didn't just come out of prison, but you haven't felt valued. I want, I want to give you an opportunity to receive the love of God today, to receive the value that God's placed on your life, and just to begin to follow him to make a decision to follow him um, with your life and begin to honor him.